your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture Weird stick around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around The podcast that is very, 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 very very sorry to hear about the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. In respect, we're going to be putting in little effort to this podcast. It's what she would have wanted. Brought to you by KP's Outer Spaces, Beef Burger Flavour Interceptors. Wow, they sound delicious. <laughs> Outer Spaces? Is this a real product? It, apparently it used to be, but... Uh... Yeah. What do you know what always makes me curious when you hear about things like you know like beef burger flavoured or you know pizza flavoured things, I'm thinking are they including the dough in this? Are they just including kind of the meat flavour? You know, are they incorporating the mm. bread and the cheese and the, the gherkin? Or th- Yeah, well that's yeah. There's not cheese, is there? If then it'd be a cheeseburger. But um oh, good, they, point, good I th- point. I think they're usually shooting for the whole package, but I'm not sure if that works or not. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? Tricky. Uh, it looks like they come with a comic, either inside or I don't know. A bit confused. I'm, I'm gonna five <laughs> p. So they must be quite old. <laughs> I'm no get, way in today's inflation, inflation more than I guess. Than cri- a, uh, crisps like this must be your nightmare, Clive. You know, with they're a bit fucking busy for you, aren't they? I mean, <laughs> why is there already salty version? <laughs> it's not going to be, is there? Can you get you know? Can you get that flavour and just? just Maybe take it out, <laughs> and then um, then I might eat them. Um, spit, yeah, this th- seems like the kind of thing that's going to be a bit monster munch, which I'm not a fan of. I know that's, oh, that's sacrilege to some of you, but I mean, um, we're losing. Yeah, we're so losing. Not up my street. We're losing listeners by the minute. Uh, did you really just say Basically, you don't like monster munch? People just like flat out honesty. Uh, yeah, monster <laughs> munch is just shite, isn't it? Oh, no, no, I get. It's like putting a. F- I don't, to me, it just tastes like somebody's got some flavouring. Just you put way too much in the bag, and then you're eating that, and it's just like it's just too much. No, I suspect I've got like uh, quite strong taste buds, whereas I think, which is weird in England actually, because a lot of English food is quite bland. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, I like I like a lot of I like bland food, and I like a lot of English food, <laughs> fish and chips, stuff like that. It's quite bland, but then English people also have this random obsession with some strong flavours, like vinegar on chip. What the fuck off? Just yeah. what? salt on them. What? No, no vinegar's essential um, on chip shop chips. It's not essential. It's, no, it's, 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 disgust, it's disgusting, so that's yeah, two to one on this podcast. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> both of you are bland, bland as fuck when it comes to food, honestly. <laughs> and ketchup? Don't even get me started. I like the, but I like ketchup, so I'm, okay. in, I'm inconsistent. Yeah, it's like I'd ketchup again. I'm just like, it just tastes of ketchup. Like, why did I even bother getting these high quality chips? I'm just going to put pe- ketchup on them. I might as well be eating cardboard with ketchup on it because it'll taste the fucking same. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> my god. So I remember, uh, I remember when, when uh, remember when you you tried to bring me round on vinegar when didn't you by saying it was one of the main ingredients in ketchup? I was like, I don't care. Ketchup doesn't ketchup doesn't taste like vinegar. Not, so what's, to, what's me, your point? to me, to me though, chips up chips. They're not properly seasoned if they don't have salt and vinegar on. You see, if I, if I would dip a, 
uh, mayonnaise I can deal with, but that's not as like intense as. It's also ketchup's just really sweet, and I'm just like I don't know why I'd want this with with a savoury meal. Not an, I know, <laughs> just I just can't get behind it. I don't really get it. Um, where but where, but then I have mayonnaise with everything, and people are like, oh, what are you doing having mayonnaise with that? I'm like, it's good. Why are you putting ketchup with that when it's shit? So I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what is a great sauce, although you might not agree with you having bad taste and everything, but um, <laughs> the, the, um, the Dutch um, have a sauce called frit sauce, which is basically a variation of mayo, um, which tastes a bit like gherkins and ke- peppers, and it uh, you Ooh, get it that everywhere. That does sound now. quite good. It is really good. I do like a gherkin. Uh, I quite like chip spice as well, from obviously from Hull. Uh, much prefer that to, to ketchup. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, generally don't like condiments except for except for mayonnaise, pretty much. This is uh, this is derailed like the Stuart Lee crisps episode. <laughs> yeah, it has. Um, but anyway, so I'm supposed to be hosting, so I'll get this back on track. Um, <laughs> we're here to. We, we spoke last time. We're going to do a film of the month or film of the however long it is till the next episode, <laughs> which I think in this case was a month. Uh, which was um, this time it was Drive My Car, which we'll talk about last. But first, we're each going to talk about something something else. Um, which I don't know what everyone's got, but I'll um, I'll hand it over to you first, Michael. Thank you. Just a quick one. Just a quick one for me, really. But in the last few days, I've just blasted through. Uh, meantime, the debut uh, novel from Frankie Boyle, who um, I think everyone knows is um, one of my all-time favourite comedians and uh, general all-round favourite people. Um, the book. Uh, well, I thought it was brilliant, really. Um, so it, that probably comes as no surprise. Uh, there's very much a lot of crossover with his um, with his work as a comedian. Um, it's although it's it's obviously written from the it's written from the perspective of a character, but there's very much um, in terms of perspectives and takes. Obviously, there's a, a lot of crossover with uh, with Frankie's worldview. Um, a lot of jokes that I've heard him crack before that are cracked in the book by the character. Um, so there's there's certainly that crossover, and I think you know that'll tell people whether they're going to enjoy it or not. Probably, um, the, the books had very good reception from what I've seen, um, but I think anyone who doesn't get down with the way that the prose is written, um, which is as I say, almost in these little bite sizes um, of asides and quips alongside uh, the main actual plot. Um, so some people might that might not be to some people's taste. Um, some people who uh, read more books, I think. But uh, personally, I had no complaints about that. Um, it's uh, well, it's set. It's basically uh, the story of a man and a very colourful array of characters uh, surrounding him trying to uh, independently investigate his friend's murder uh, while working his way through a suitcase full of narcotics. So it, uh, in that sense, um, I don't know if it was directly, but it very much reminded me of uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, and it seemed like, um, plot-wise, uh, Inherent Vice seemed to be uh, a touchstone. But as I said, I don't know if it actually was or not an, an influence on it. Um, but certainly some similarities there. Um, it's a very twisty story. Uh, keep Kept me on my toes, certainly. Um, quite densely plotted at times. Um but very well paced. Uh, I struggled to put it down once I'd started the book. Um, I was uh, literally crying with laughter several times. 
uh, as you would probably expect. So that'll that'll certainly do for me. Um, and I think it's an extremely promising uh, debut novel. I know that Frankie plans to write another soon, given the success it seems to have had. Um, so yeah, it comes recommended from me for people who are you know probably going to enjoy this sort of thing. Um, and I always think it's... Um, I mean, I can't go too much into it. I don't want to spoil too much about it, but um, I always think it's weird that they put sort of press quotes on the book that essentially spoil something. So it does say on the front of the book... Uh, with a gut punch ending, which is quite correct. Um, but I thought it was a weird thing to advertise on the book, really. Um, you don't really want to know that going in, I would have thought. Uh, even though I've just said it myself. But, um, <laughs> I, uh, I, um, yeah, I've I found the... Um, well, obviously, there's a very sort of poetic cynicism to um, Frankie's material. And that certainly comes through in the book. Um, but actually, one of the reasons I love his material so much is because I find that very comforting uh, in that it mirrors my own worldview quite a lot. Um, so I found reading this book to be a sort of uh, balm in the last few days. And uh, it's got me, paradoxically, given the content, it's got me sort of feeling quite better about things just from having read it. So I think that's as strong an endorsement as I can give for it. Um, I haven't read this, but I am familiar with it. Um, in fact, I was going to buy it for you for your birthday, but then your brother warned me that um, he'd bought it for you already. He did. Um, he bought me a signed copy, very kindly. Mm, yeah. Excellent. Uh, well, to be fair, you weren't going to get a signed co- copy from me, so um, good, good thing you got it first. <laughs> You've got a fair deal. Yeah, it sounds right up my street. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to get it eventually. Do you know what my only problem, not specifically with this book, but in, in terms of celebrity-authored books in general, is that these books are always mega-sellers, regardless of how good they actually are. Now, I trust that this is excellent based on your opinion, but it strikes me as that they're pushing you know, first-time authors or other authors out of the market a bit. It's a bit like, you know, stay in your lane... Mm. Well, I guess, I guess we have this. We have the same problem in all fields, don't we? I mean, we've got it in boxing, yeah. for example. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it just seems to be the case with uh, I guess everything. Uh, I don't know what the solution to it is, but um, yeah, <laughs> it is a problem. And obviously, I think it's it's not the same. Um, obviously, because the, I mean, the boxing thing is just ridiculous from my perspective. No, oh, uh, but obviously, it's what people want to see. That's that's the problem. Uh, and it's the same with films a little bit, I think, isn't it? I mean, we see all these reboots. We've discussed this oh, to death before. Say. But it's it's the same sort of thing, I think, although obviously uh, in this case it's a bit different because I loved this book. But, oh, yeah, yeah. I, understand, I understand the point, obviously. Oh, yeah, I don't doubt at all that he, he can write. I'm sure he can. You know, he can write a stand-up well, show. Well, so. well, the thing is, he's a brilliant writer in his own right. I mean, he's already got three books to his name. He's written extensively uh, for various publications. Mm-hmm. And yes. this is just the first time he's gone into fiction. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I say this, by the way, as someone who has a pre ordered a copy of Bob Mortimer's first novel as well. Um, mm. So I know I'm a hypocrite because I'm, I'm feeding into it myself. And I'm not necessarily saying these books are bad. I'm sure that they are pretty good. Um, but it just leaves a bit of a sour taste a little bit because there's a lot of authors out there writing a lot of good books that are, you know, selling about 50 well, copies. 
Well, yeah, it's the same with it. Well, it's the same with music. It's just the same with everything, really. And mm. yeah, it's art, artistry against commercialism, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, all that Frankie's done there is use that platform, obviously, to uh, have a go at fiction like he obviously wanted to. But it doesn't mm-hmm. draw any complaints from me because it was perfect for me. But that is kind of what I was hinting at when I said that I'm sure there are pre- plenty of literary aficionados out there who aren't going to take to the style of writing. Yeah. But it didn't bother me, obviously. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. It's like, uh, yeah, very much like you say in all other areas. I suppose the area where it's different with books is, and music is a bit like this, but not as much, I'd say. I think the, the, the great thing about books is anyone can write a book for, you know, it doesn't cost, you don't need any stuff. Like, not anyone can make a film. It costs quite a lot of money to make a film in the first place, mm. which perpetuates the problem, because to get the funding for the film, you more likely to get it if you're doing something that people know people are going to like which channels stuff to being uninteresting and whatever um whereas with a book you, you know anyone can write one um it, but then it's you know getting it published and stuff is obviously the difficult bit and it's similar with music it's not uh, you can make an album fairly cheaply nowadays um but again it's just getting it actually and you can you know publish it independently now you don't need to have a label or whatever but it's getting it out there and getting people to pay attention to it that's the difficult bit isn't it and mm-hmm. yeah that is just naturally going to be easier for someone who's already got a name out there and does whatever like if Frankie Ball decides to act in a film more people are going to do it if he decides to direct something people will watch it <laughs> um, it's just the nature of it isn't it if, you've already, if your name's already out there you can kind of do what you want and you, it's going to get some level of attention um, yeah which is which is interesting and it's kind of I don't know how you get around that really I don't know if you can Um in that perspective, I think I do wish some stuff. I keep bringing it up with like the new Lord of the Rings thing, which is it's fine, but I'm just like, I wish they'd put this budget into like. There's blatantly some really, really good fantasy out there that they could just have put this amount of budget into, rather than like a Tolkien B side, um, and it <laughs> kind of annoys me uh, that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's everywhere, isn't it? Like you know, Marvel, all that stuff. It's ultimately dictated by money, so. Yeah, it is. But the there's still a lot of there's still plenty of interesting stuff out there. You just have to dig, and unfortunately, oh, yeah. it's not. It's usually not the stuff that ends up making uh, making much money. But yeah, it'll it'll keep being. It's going to keep being made because there's there's arty people out there who want to make artistic stuff regardless of whether yeah, they always will be. It's going to make them a great living or not. Um, which is one of the great things about the human spirit, I guess. Um, but yeah, definitely very interesting. Um, I've also I didn't know anything about the book. I knew it was out, and I'd heard because I follow uh, Frankie Boyle on Instagram. I'm not really on social media, but occasionally I pop onto Instagram, um, and so I knew it was out. I didn't really know what it was about or anything, but yeah, it does sound interesting. And he's certainly someone I'd enjoy reading. So maybe I'll get around to it at some point. But um, I probably I tend to read in inverted commas stuff with with audiobooks at the minute so <laughs> i probably i don't know whether he's done one where he speaks it himself um i've not looked at that but i think that would be potentially interesting so might look into that but um anyway al we'll go over to you okay um i'm just going to talk quickly about two films i've seen at the cinema recently um Ooh. i don't have a huge amount to say about either of them really but um i'd like to give my thoughts so the first of which um, is very much a nuts and bolts film. Um, so it's a film called Fall, which is directed by uh, someone called Scott Mann, who um, shout out to the Teesside people from Newton, Newton Aycliffe, apparently. 
um, starring uh, virtually an unknown cast of uh, Grace Caroline Curry, uh, Virginia Gardner, and its one quote-unquote star, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Um, it's about a woman who loses her husband uh, to a freak climbing accident um, at the start of the film and gets gets persuaded to, uh, by her friend uh, to climb a huge TV tower in the middle of the desert uh, as a means of therapy to kind of get a get herself back on the horse. Uh, inevitably, this goes wrong, and they ended up they end up stranded uh, something like ten thousand feet in the air uh, in the middle of the desert on a tiny platform. Um, what drew me to this was I love kind of simple concept thrillers. Um, I wasn't expecting it this to be a, you know a profound movie or anything like that, but I thought it looked like it was well made. I love the concept, you know, trapped in a small area, people having to innovate to survive. And um, the film pretty much gave me everything I was looking for. Um, I mean, the acting is really one note. Uh, there's nothing special about it. N- neither, neither is the writing or the dialogue particularly special. But um, the way the film's shot um, is quite terrifying, actually. Um, I'm sure they must have used plenty of CG in this, but um, you really get the impression, um, especially at the cinema that you're on this platform with them, and I actually felt a little bit sick in my stomach when a few of the shots leaned over the edge, or when, you know, um, the film uses really good techniques to build tension, and um, I had a thoroughly good time. Um, it's not going to change your life, and to be honest with you, I'm not sure I could recommend this as necessarily a home-viewing experience, because I think the grandiose nature of the cinema, uh, which I know I've banged on about before, but really gives uh, you know, that sense of scale, uh, something that the film toys with quite a lot. Um, I mean, this is nuts and bolts. Like I said, nothing massively special creatively, but really well made, um, solidly put together and entertaining. And that is literally all I've got to say on it because it's really there isn't. It's you know it's a shallow puddle, but um, you can have fun jumping in anyway. <laughs> Has anyone seen any trailers for this at all? I haven't, but I'd heard the. I don't really watch trailers, but I'd heard about it. Um, as soon as you said the platform thing, I was like, "Ah, yeah, this is." I've heard something about this. And, uh, same, same as you. I do like a good um, film with a very kind of simple concept, and especially, it sounds like I'm assuming this is filmed essentially almost entirely on this platform. Oh yeah, I'm, uh, like which is like um, it reminds me of kind of like Twelve Angry Men, which is one of my favourite films, where it's like I, I love that kind of idea that you can tell a really good story in a really small space. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean it's I mean literally the film. I'm not really spoiling anything by saying this. The film starts with them on a free climb up the side of a mountain. The husband falls off, dies. Then there's a few scenes of her being very sad, and a friend persuades her to go on this trip. They drive out to the desert. They climb this TV tower. They get stranded there. That's it, basically. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> And I suppose I would probably recommend this, especially if, you, if you're wanting to do something, you can't, you know, maybe you want to get out of the house, you want to do something a bit different. It's a classic kind of 90-minute thriller. Um, you know, it's a great way to kill 90 minutes. Um, you will feel a bit queasy. I mean, this film didn't give me literal sickness like other films have done in the past. Uh, Captain Phillips gave me seasickness. Um, but um, it certainly captures that queasiness. Um, I'm guessing, Michael, you haven't seen this at all. No, I can't really offer much, but yeah, it seems very interesting. Do you know what I mean by your classic kind of nuts and bolts thriller, though? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I get the impression that that, I don't know if anyone saw that film last year, Crawl, the one where a woman's trapped in her base, a flooding basement with an alligator. 
<laughs> no, but <laughs> I, I, th- I think <laughs> that's intriguing. I think, I think they've bec- they're becoming this little genre, and, and I, I for one, I'm a fan. Uh, I'd rather they were taking up spaces in the cinema than another Marvel movie, as much as I'd watch a Marvel movie anyway. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of interesting, uh, simple ideas like that, and I guess it also plays into, I'm assuming, that, that type of film. I don't know about the one you're talking about. It sounds a little bit more costly, potentially, but it's uh, also a way you can make a film quite cheaply, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the budget would have been tiny. I haven't looked it up, but mm. it doesn't strike me as an expensive film, but, but it doesn't feel cheap either. Um, I'll move on to my second film, which is uh, a great, a m- more of an A-list affair, um, albeit one that I suspect won't do that well uh, commercially. Uh, it's the latest film by David Cronenberg, who's probably best known for his past work, things like The Fly, uh, Videodrome, Dead Ringers. Um, stars Viggo Mortensen, uh, Lisa Du, uh, Kirsten Stewart, uh, Kristen Stewart rather. Um, it's a classic Cronenbergian body horror film. Um, so it's set in a in a near future where humans are evolving to um, develop new organs um, as they're living. And most of these organs are basically tumours and essentially useless. And um, Viggo Mortensen's character and Lisa Du's character make performance art out of it, where they literally <coughs> have people pay to watch her um, com- do surgery on him to remove these uh, organs. And they get caught up in a piece of performance art um, to do an autopsy on a child and seeing much more I suppose would spoil it um, anyone who's familiar with David Cronenberg will know that body horror is kind of his thing or at least it was and this is very much in the same vein um, obviously he's probably most famous for Crash which I guess is body horror to an extent as well um, I didn't really get along with this I've got to be honest um, it was well made the acting is very good, particularly from Viggo Mortensen, but honestly, it felt like he was retreading old ground, and and honestly, I got lost kind of trying to keep up with how kind of smug the film was at times. Um, I didn't hate it, which might, it might sound like I did, but I just found it quite tiresome, to be honest with you. Um, it, it was almost like, it's almost like when you go to a restaurant, and you can see that, uh, you know, uh, maybe they're giving you an artisanal burger, and you're like, just no, no, I don't need that. Just give me, just give me a, a well-made burger and chips. I don't need this little, you know, this little garnish that you've put there pointlessly. Um, <laughs> no, this one slightly frustrated me. Um, ultimately, I still want these types of films to be made, and I want them to be in the cinema. And I wish it well, despite the fact I don't partic- didn't particularly enjoy it, uh, which is disappointing. But um, no, I, I couldn't say it lived up to his his past work, especially. Is anyone anyone familiar with this? Obviously, I haven't seen it, but um, I did read some reviews of it, which uh, interestingly, interestingly enough, seem to uh, reflect your opinion. So, oh, they did, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know what the general reception was, but yeah, uh, interesting because that was pretty much the same thing that I sort of read about it. Yeah, okay. The, the only review I read was a four star one, which liked it a lot more than I did. But um, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. right enough. Will, will this be Cronenberg's last film? He's quite old now, isn't he, I think? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I don't it's get been the... a while since the last one, hasn't it? Is yeah, it? I mean, uh, what was his last film, actually? Let me quickly look this up. Uh, this Maps one... to the Stars, which is, I think, the one that I've seen. Ah, I, and I loved it. Which I didn't look. Oh, you did love it. Oh, I loved it. I don't think I, I, I did Maps love that the Stars. One. I remember you loving that one, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I'd forgotten he'd done that. Um, yeah, this is a disappointing follow-up then, in my opinion. 
yeah, it sounded like a, like you said, a bit of a retread. Um, and I mean, it sounds balmy, but oh yeah, I, nothing new with Cronenberg. Oh yeah, I mean, like <laughs> I, I applaud the inventiveness, even if it is a retread. Um, I just didn't think it particularly worked. Um, yeah. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's because the characters themselves are performance artists as well. And there was, I'm not saying I want David Cronenberg films to be laugh a minute, but there was a le- level of portentousness that um, just kind of grated on me a little bit. I, I mean, I did see it after a, a day at work, so perhaps I wasn't in the right m- frame of mind, but it just kind of irritated me a little bit. Um, well, given the, the picture that accompanied one of the reviews I read, I'm just quite amused trying to guess when you'd be in the right mood to watch a bloke with ears growing out of his head. <laughs> oh, not just yeah. out well, of his I head. I guess we've all, we've all got ears growing out of our head, but you know what I mean. Oh, no, this, this bloke has ears growing out of everywhere. That is it, yeah. Okay. Well, I can yeah. only see his head. <laughs> also, one of the main plot points is around a boy who um, can eat pla- and uh, digest plastic. Um which felt like felt like Cronenberg was trying to say something there, That's but, what I was I'm not, thinking, I'm, yeah. but I'm not really sure he knew what he was trying to say. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, interesting. Uh, probably not at the top of my list to watch, but it does sound interesting. And I'm with you. Like, yeah, you want people to experiment, so always enjoy a crazy idea, and they're not always going to pay off. But when they do, they're usually great. So. Got to be done. You got to you got to have some misses to get some hits. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And um, he he's had enough hits that you know, you'd forgive him this. Yeah, totally. Doesn't mean you necessarily want to watch the misses, but I appreciate them being there because essentially that's essentially <laughs> what eventually yeah. leads to hits. Um, cool. Uh, well, I'll just whiz through a film that I've seen. So as like last time, I'm gonna. I said I'll talk about my favourite piece of culture since last time, which um, is generally going to be a film or. There's been loads of albums I've liked, but if you want to. Go to uh, find out which ones they were. Head over to stickaroundpodcast.com. And Clive's album challenge. I've just done 1987, which is the year I was born. Uh, great year. So some great albums there. But I'm going to talk about a film. Uh, so as I spoke about last time, I'm going through the top 250 films on Letterboxd, which is um, a slightly more pretentious uh, IMDb, or a, a very much better set out IMDb, in my opinion. Um, and I've been really enjoying it. And it's... it's uh, pretty tough decision this week as to which one i'd pick because obviously we're doing our film afterwards so i didn't want to pick two this time so second was eternity in a day by theo angelopoulos i've probably said that wrong uh poulos probably um which is a fantastic film about a writer um kind of the last day of a, a writer's life um in greece and it's yeah fantastic uh but the film i want to talk about which just pipped it to the post that i watched the other day was lahane um a film released in the United States as Hate, uh, apparently, maybe because they can't cope with foreign languages, don't know. Um, it's a 1995 French crime drama film, uh, co-edited, co-edited and directed by Mathieu Kassovitz. Uh, it stars lots of people you won't have heard of, but who are all excellent, uh, Vincent Cassell, Hubert Koundé, and Saeed uh, Tagmoe. Again, I may have butchered particularly that last surname there, and apologies if I did. Um, it chronicles a day and night in the lives of three friends from a poor immigrant neighbourhood in the suburbs of Paris. Um, the t- title derives itself from a, a line spoken in the film. Um, hatred be- breeds hatred, I believe uh, it means hatred. Uh, <laughs> La haine or the hate, or something like that. Um, it's black and white, uh, presented in black and white. I believe it was originally shot in colour. I'm not sure whether he, re- he wanted to sh- shoot it in colour and then change that to black and white, because that changes... 
is different to shooting it in black and white originally or whether he decided later on to to change it to black and white i'm not sure and um, but perfectly suits the i'm always a little bit skeptical when the decision is made to make something black and white uh, <laughs> sometimes it's just a bit like it feels a bit like oh you've just stuck an instagram filter on it um that's not the case here i think it really suits the kind of grimy feel of the film and slightly hopeless nature of it um i, I do think it fits perfectly it uh, plot wise it kind of opens with a a, a news footage of a kind of urban riots and news that a local man named Abdul's in intensive care having been um, really badly injured by uh, police in custody essentially and it also emerges a short while after that a policeman's lost his gun during this riot and they're trying to find out where it is due to the danger that it poses um, the three main characters I mentioned earlier we've got uh, Vincent Cassell plays Vince who's kind of these three characters play really well off each other which I'll get into but they're yeah, Vince is has like a complete hatred of all police. Wants to avenge um, Abel's situation. Uh, he's very black and white. Um, Hubert Kounde plays Hubert. Uh, interesting, they all have their uh, actual names. Uh, an Afro-French um, boxer and drug dealer. He, he's the I'd say the softest of the three. Uh, with a he essentially just kind of has a will to get the hell out of the neighbourhood and the life that it entails, um, and is a bit more. Uh, I don't know if I go as far as saying maybe pacifist, but certainly more of that nature. Um, and then we have Said, um, played by Said Tagmagui. Tagmaui. I really should figure out how to pronounce these um, before saying them. Who lies somewhere in the middle and generally works as the friend trying to um, mediate the other two throughout the film. Um, again, he fantastic. Yeah, the it follows them round basically on a pretty standard day after the riots have happened and it's it's just really dynamically shot it's a good mix of kind of stiller well-set camera shots uh, and more frantically filmed scene when's that uh, frantically filmed scenes when that's more appropriate it's the camera works just really masterful in kind of adding tension or whatever Kasowitz wants to the scene like there isn't um much use of music at all and most of it is i always get these freaking confused it's the one where it's in the scene itself so not sort of added on top i can't remember that i think that's called diegetic um <laughs> yeah i always get it wrong as well so i'm not i can't say anything <laughs> um, but yeah it's basically essentially somebody in the actual scene is playing the music uh, it's generally that type of music that's played um and the chemistry between the three leads is just superb like they spend the whole film bickering basically in a quite an entertaining like there's some very laugh out loud uh, funny moments um as things kind of get more and more dangerous um and yeah, it, it's superb. It's I kind of expected it not to be. I expected it to be one of these really artsy films that's quite hard to pay attention to, but like rewarding in the end, if you know what I mean. Uh, there's plenty of those, and I love uh, that type of film. But this is uh, it. Didn't end up being that at all. It's very much it grips you from the start. It's really quite not necessarily action packed, but like the way it's filmed and stuff, um, and the way they're kind of bickering and going on at each other. It really it is really gripping, um, and you just kind of want to find out what happens to these three throughout the day even if there's no clear massive end goal or anything um which i really loved about it but it also just has this kind of slightly bleak uh hopeless hard-hitting message um which very much fits into the opens with uh a sort of over uh, a voiceover going heard about the guy who fell off a skyscraper on his way down each floor he kept saying to reassure himself so far so good so far so good so far so good um and how you fall doesn't matter and um, this kind of idea that 
yeah, you might be fine day to day, but uh, as the situation is, at some point it's gonna <laughs> shit's gonna hit the fan and it's not gonna be fine um, because it is gradually getting worse. Uh, and yeah, I think it's just it's really it's fantastically watchable, really dynamically directed, bursting with chemistry from its leaves, like I said, and has something important to say. And I just yeah, I can't really fault it. Basically, I just really really enjoyed uh, Lahaine and thought. It was superb. And I always love it when you end up... I always... I thought I was going to... You know, I've not watched any films from this list and thought I didn't enjoy that. Uh, you know, they've varied from very good to amazing, <laughs> essentially. But I thought this was going to fit more into the very good uh, end of that. Um, but it wasn't. It was uh, definitely the amazing end. And yeah, I'd certainly put it in my probably top 25 films that I've ever seen or somewhere up there. Uh, it's very, very good. And I'd highly recommend anyone who hasn't seen it to give it a blast. Is there, have any of you two seen this? I haven't, no. Um, I, I, I have heard of it, but I really knew very little about it. Uh, it sounds very good, though. Um, I think I'm going to have to join you on this um, this list. Sounds sounds interesting. And I quite like being forced to watch a film. You know, I might, yeah. I might skip past a film going, oh, that sounds like hard work, you know. But uh, <laughs> it, often those are the ones where you really discover something great. Yeah, that's I. I it's kind of how I've ended up consuming most of my culture i guess because it's the same with my music list that i'm doing every year uh, it like forces me to listen to certain stuff that i maybe wouldn't have picked um, but that's for me always where i end up having the best experiences of watching something um, and that's why I, I enjoy throwing myself out of my comfort zone and seeing what different stuff there is out there i don't gain much enjoyment from you know what i'd call like the last fm thing i know last fm isn't showing my age uh, much of a thing anymore but where it's like I remember back in the day, it'd be like trying. Everyone would be trying to find artists that sound similar to the stuff they already liked, and I was just a bit like, oh, "This isn't, you know, this is boring." <laughs> I want to find some something that sounds different to what I'm already listening to, uh, not just endless artists who are provide, uh, getting stuff that sounds very similar. Uh, and you know, going through lists and stuff like this is always interesting from that respect. Um, and yeah, Lahaine. Superb, superb. It's one of those interesting films as well. A lot of the films on the list have other... Di the directors have other films on the list, if that makes sense. Um, this one isn't one of those. Like I looked into his other films and there don't seem to be any that are as anywhere near as highly regarded as this one, uh, which I always find quite interesting. So like, I guess the director equivalent of like a one-hit wonder uh, <laughs> is, yeah, always something a bit more interesting. Yeah. Michael, any, any thoughts on this one? No, I haven't seen it. I've heard of it, and I knew it was um, very well uh, respected and loved by you know certain film fans. Uh, but I thought you talked it up brilliantly there, Clive. So, so I'd also say, for me, yeah, na nails the ending as well. I think, and I, I think this about this is after, and actually, Eternity in a Day has probably one of my favourite endings. <laughs> the film that this just picked it, uh, but yeah, I think often weirdly the films that the endings that i think oh that's really great are the ones that can sometimes be a bit polarizing uh and i think i don't know i think most people judging by the uh, you know how well regarded this film is like the ending but i don't i certainly read some people who didn't uh, which i don't get i think the ending's perfect um and yeah it, it's yeah without spoiling anything it's one of those films that just ends really bloody well um so yeah, let's move on to um, Alex. As you picked uh, our film of the month, as we're going to say it this time. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to introduce it? Of course. Okay. So the film of the month uh, was Drive My Car, 
which was one of the nominees for Best Picture at the last Oscars. Um, it's based on a short story by uh, Haruki Murakami, uh, which in itself is named for the Beatles song. Um, it's directed by Rusuki um, Hamaguchi. Um, might be pronouncing that wrong. Also co-written by him. Um, it stars Hidetoshi uh, Nishijima, uh, Toko Miura, and Raika Kirishima. Um, the basic plot, without giving too much away, um, it's centred around a theatre director who takes up a residency um, to direct an adaptation of Uncle Vanya um, after his life falls apart, um, during which time um, he he's a car enthusiast. He's driven around by a female chauffeur um, who, who kind of changes his life and he changes the life of as well. I think that kind of sums it up without spoiling anything. Does that... Anything you guys would add to that? No, that's no I think that's in a, a nutshell. Yeah, I think that's in a nutshell. <laughs> um, do you want to start with my opinions, or do you want to? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, if you want? Go ahead. Yeah, go on then, Michael. Okay. Well, I thought it was a really great film. Um, I think um, it's very deep and rich, and there'd be a lot to mine, um, more in greater detail than I'm going to go into. Um, for example, I think um, obviously the uh, the juxtaposition of Uncle Vanya um, with the plot of the film itself. There's clearly a lot of thematic intermingling there. Um, so it's an obvious device, but I think it was done superbly um, and, and came across effortlessly. Car um, really interesting. Uh, obviously, cars are heavily symbolic. Um, we're used to seeing them. Um, being portrayed as symbols of, sort of freedom and aspiration um, but there can be darker sides to that um, we don't have to I mean for me the one of the greatest users of cars as symbols is uh, Bruce Springsteen um, but we don't have to dig that far back uh, to find it um, just last year when this film was out we had Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo so you know these are you know, classic timeless um, devices and obviously used extensively throughout this film. Um, the car here, um, well, it, it was interesting, I think, that you described him as an enthusiast, uh, Alex, because uh, while the car does have some of the same um, symbolisms that I just mentioned, I think it's also, it's it's clearly very sacred uh, within the film, but it's also a sort of prison, I think. Um, well, yeah. So it has it has mm. it has a double. It's a double edged sword. I suppose. Maybe enthusiast is not the right term, but um, his car is clearly, yeah, like you said, simple. sacred to him. It, it's part of his. Yeah. It's part of his well being. I feel as much as anything else. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, absolutely yeah, or degree. Um, and I think the fact that I describe it as a prison doesn't counteract that. For example, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it's got that. It's got that double meaning to it. Um, I thought the. It was. I think the film is impeccably acted. Um, I think that the cinematography was stunning. Uh, I particularly enjoyed the shot of the two cigarettes being held out of the car sunroof, which I think is one of the most enduring images I'll keep with me from the film. Um, yeah, and the relationship between uh, the characters of Yusuke and Masaki, the two main characters, is uh, fascinating to watch. Um, blossoming and unfolding um, the film is a meditation and treatise on 
grief and despair essentially uh, and the way that can bring people together as well uh, and I thought it was beautifully executed in those respects uh, it's perfectly paced as well uh, the pacing very reminiscent of uh, Masaki's driving obviously during the film uh, I think in the sense that uh, it gathers a, gathers a lot of momentum uh, without ever doing so in you know a jarring way um, it, it develops very smoothly across its three hour run length um, there's some other really interesting relationships uh, in the film um, that's yeah you never I think I was never sure exactly where some of them, them were going so that was very interesting to watch and I think there's a whole theme um, well I mean I'm always a sucker for, for works that uh, are themselves about the artistic process and obviously this film is that as well as well as all the other things I've just mentioned uh, and I think there's whole areas to be dug into there again like I say about what certain characters represent in terms of different approaches to art because I think there's a whole undercurrent of that going on as well that was uh, you've hit upon one of the main points why I thought you'd like it actually Michael one of the reasons I bought it for your birthday was it was about the creative process um, yeah I'd remembered I'd remembered you've been a big fan of that um, you uh, we shouldn't have let you go first because you, you beautifully summed it up there um, <laughs> thank you um, laugh <laughs> never one thing again I, no. I would kind of not, not really add on to that but kind of put uh, a plus next to is the cinematography is I think among among the best I've ever seen um, I'm just looking it up now it's by somebody I've unsurprisingly not heard of but Hidetoshi uh, Shinomaya um, I thought some breathtaking shots were captured in this film and and like you said that they really they they really were in sync with the the, the narrative pace of the film uh, with with the you know like you said the driving style and um, I found that the film w was as much about kind of a main character kind of accepting himself and uh, accepting the actions of others as much as anything. It was very, it was a part of his grieving process. Um, I was mesmerized by the film when I watched it. Um, I almost watched it in a, in a trance. And it, 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 it's one of those rare films where I felt like I was kind of sucked into it as much as you would be when you're reading a novel. I've always thought that kind of mm. a novel is kind of a different um, artistic experience in the sense that you almost go into a meditative meditative state while you're experiencing it, and I, I felt I kind of pretty much got there with this film as well. Um, one of my favourites of last year, um, I haven't seen or read Uncle Vanya, so all I know of it is, is what's in this film, so... I'd be interested to see if my perspective changes at all um, were I to see it. But, um, yeah, I absolutely love this, um, as, as you'll be no, not surprised to hear. Clive, any thoughts? Yeah, um, as you said, Michael, somebody up and you've, you, you've added eloquently too. Um, so I probably don't have loads to add, but, yeah, I loved this too. It's interesting, actually, that you've both uh, commented on the fact that you really liked the the pacing and the... Uh, I think your description of it there, Al, was spot on. Um, and I think this makes me recommend the Letterboxd list even more, uh, particularly the foreign films on it, because I think there's a lot of this kind of paced stuff on there. And it's something that I've really grown to love. Um, you know, a slow a slow film. It is slow. Like, I think most of the criticisms of it are it's too slow or certain bits could be cut out. And I agree a little bit about a certain part 
to me probably early on could be cut out but i don't think it absolutely i don't think it needs to be and i don't think it's any worse for it being there and i absolutely don't think it needs to be any it should be any faster i think yes maybe you could cut a bit out but the pace should not be changed uh, i think the pace is what makes it so great it's that it fits in like you say uh, michael with <laughs> with the driving so well uh, that's not something i thought about but that yeah is a, is a perfect description of it and it's it's a, the fact that you spend this amount of time with those characters is something that you can't just replace by you know slickly editing cutting bits out and i don't know making it faster you you can't replace that and i think that's a part of what makes the film so effective the fact that you do spend so much time with these characters and the the, the changes are quite gradual throughout the film um and it's not full of these sort of um like shoehorned in moments of um eureka moments which annoy me uh, in films quite often and i i watched um bohemian rhapsody the other day uh and and this, that yeah. fell into this boat so much uh and it annoyed me it had very like they kept shoehorning in random bits of stuff that you'd heard queen had done uh just for the just for the sake of it and it was like it's a eureka moment and also in quite a lot of <laughs> music documentaries that are always like some blokes just sat there and then he just comes up with a song <laughs> and you're just like it didn't happen like that did it let's be honest the only time that has been captured well is from one of my favorite films from last year um obviously the beatles their documentary about them you know being on the roof and the whole rehearsals leading up to that which is fantastic um, and there's a moment in that where he writes uh i think it's get back the, the what it's called um and paul mccartney like starts playing it and actually being able to witness where that actually did happen uh is pretty spectacular uh but it's Again, it's quite different to how it's depicted in films. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, a- if if that had been in the film, he would have played "Get Back," and then suddenly, the, you know, Ringo would have been like, "Yeah, I've got the perfect beat," and everyone suddenly starts playing the bass and nails it. And it's like that's not how it happened. <laughs> he's just there, like humming along, and then you're like, "That's Get Back." He's he's just about to fucking write "Get Back." <laughs> well, I'm just imagining uh, now you've said. It- I'm just imagining now you've said this. Um, Queen practicing and. Uh, Freddie Mercury is desperately writing. Goes, Come on, Freddie, let's go down the pub. Oh, don't stop me now. I'm in the middle of writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is that kind of shit, though, where you're just like, this, this is plainly isn't how it happened. You do a whole series of these. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it didn't have any of that at all. Um, I think the Uncle Vanya juxtaposition point that you made, uh, Michael's a really good one. It's done really, really well. It, like you say, it's nothing... Not, not mass, you know. I've seen a lot of films that do this kind of thing, but it works really well. And sometimes it can be, I think it can often come across as like overly, oh, you're being all artsy, you know, it's a bit pretentious. I don't think this does. I, I rarely think that, uh, personally. Yeah, I, I love, I, I love a bit of a artsy, uh, what some people call nonsense. Um, but wankery, yeah, I, I love I, a bit I, of wankery <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all for it. Um, sometimes it can get too much. It depends on the type of wankery, and this is, this is the type of wankery I'm fine with. Um, and I think it, yeah, they, it totally, I don't know much about Uncle Vanya itself. I wanted to look up about it more afterwards, and I haven't got around to it yet. Um, but it, yeah, the, the scenes really worked really well the way they were juxtaposed, like you say. I think um, Yasuki and Masaki's relationship is great, as you said. Um, I, I've always, another thing, which isn't really a main theme, I wouldn't say, of the film, but something that I always find really interesting is I like the idea of someone doing something thought of as a kind of like really everyday thing really fucking well. And she does, you know, dri- she drives really bloody well. It's like, well, everyone can drive. I mean, I... I'm not great at driving. I've, you know, I've passed my test, but I've got serious anxiety issues with it, which have worsened, and I haven't really driven for a while now. Um, but most people can drive uh, 
well. Uh, but she drives really fucking well. <laughs> and like how the how her childhood and everything has kind of sculpted that um, is, I found something like really interesting in the film. And I always find that kind of thing really interesting where somebody just gets so good at something that's just not showy. That's just like, you know, they're just really quietly, really fucking good at something. <laughs> uh, and I always appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I thought she was a great character and yeah, the way they played off each other was, was really good. And it's made me want to check out, he's, um, Ryusuke Hamaguchi's got a, a film on the Letterboxd Top 250 called Happy Hour, which is about, uh, four women in their thirties reevaluating their relationships upon my brief look. Um, it's very long. I think it's like four hours. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to give that a go because I, I really, really love this and, I'd be interested to see if the cinematographer, uh, whose name you mentioned, Al's done much else, because, yeah, completely agree. It's really, really, really well shot. It it reminded me quite a bit, in terms of the shots outside the car, reminded me a bit of Nomadland as well. I don't know if anyone mm, else saw yeah. that in the end. Yeah, I saw Nomadland, loved it. Um, yeah, and I can totally see what you mean, actually. Yeah, definitely. It, it is the, the symbol of a car, as, as Michael said, like, is such a... Go on, Al, sorry. I, I think it... I, it's it's hard to describe what I mean by this, but it's the way the way the cam the camera kind of follows the car in a kind of unshowy fashion, almost l- mm. you know letting you drink in the environment of the car. The car isn't you know it's not a car chase. The car isn't going particularly fast or doing anything dramatic. It's just kind of <clears throat> making its way through the world, and it, it, it I don't know it's mm. something to do with the pacing of it. It's just it's well it's mesmerizing to me. Yeah, no, that's definitely true, and it's true about um, like the, I guess, cinematography in general is a bit like that. Like, it's not, and I'm not, you know, I don't like. Ugh, sometimes you get cinematography where it's like blatantly just trying to be like, oh, look, this is great cinematography, and that almost distracts from what it's showing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this lets the environment speak for itself, which, in my opinion, is the best type of uh, cinematography. Um, you, uh, with interspersed, I do love an interspersed. Thing, yeah. Just like, fuck me, that's a great shot. I, I know what you mean. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 it depends on the moment. So I don't, Yeah, it does. I don't know if you've you seen the film Sicario. Yes, I have, yeah. I don't know if you remember this, but there's a shot in it where they're um they go these special forces units are going into the desert at sunset and the kind of the, the sunset, they're kind of it's a real kind of a red sunset, is halfway across the screen and they're kind of the walking and they're kind mm. of putting on the night vision goggles and they're kind of disappearing into the blackness as they're going yeah. down the hill. And it's a really showy, almost unnecessary shot, but it's like shivers down your spine. That's the kind of yeah cinematography wankery to use michael's term that i i like <laughs> but i know what you mean sometimes shots are unnecessarily showy yeah i think that's and, and in that film it's done in moderation you know it's not a film of shots like that is it like and oh I think yeah that's work for me it works best i don't love it if like the entire film is just that kind of stuff and there's no real it feels like there's no um what's the bloody word i'm looking for <laughs> not context but not not content even but like depth to actually what's being shown and it's just like everything's really pretty um yeah that i'm less keen on and i feel like some some netflix stuff falls into that category um, and it all looks a bit similar at the minute but that's another debate um but yeah this that's absolutely not the case here it's just really well filmed and it totally lets what's on the screen um speak for itself um with the odd really great shot and the the two cigarette one uh, michael that you mentioned is yeah. a particularly great one like <laughs> as you say brilliant so yeah this was a great recommendation al um it's one that i've been meaning to watch anyway so it's good to be forced uh to watch it 
Okay, well, I think we're, we're, we're pretty much all, I mean, as I expected, uh, on the same page about this one. Um, so I picked this this month. So mm. I'm going to put, it would be easy to pick you, Clive, because you've got this letterbox list. Therefore, I'm not going to. Uh, Michael, you're, you're on the me. spot. <laughs> what is our next film well, of the month? I'm, I'm not going to be able to come up with one on the spot. So. <laughs> come on. Do you want to... Uh... Maybe we can uh, we could put it in uh, WhatsApp, and I could put it on the show notes so that people can read it there. What was decided before this comes out? Does that sound like a plan? Actually, you, yeah. You know, okay. I still think it's Michael's pick, but he doesn't necessarily. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Now I feel yeah. like you've got a corker in there somewhere, Michael. Well, hang on. Bear with me a second. I mean, if you think you've got one already, then yeah. fine. But <laughs> it's just about it's just a question of whether people are going to be able to see it. I suppose. But I'm sure we'll get around that somehow, will we? Yeah. Well, I've got uh, I've got this. Well, film you can that, rent most stuff nowadays. Like you can. I've got this film that I haven't watched yet. That obviously you could watch with me, Alex, if you needed to. Yeah. Um, so let's watch the 2012 Mexican film Post Tenebras Lux uh-huh. by by Ca- Carlos Regadas. I've written that down. Probably completely wrong, but I'm sure I'll find it. <laughs> Um, I think it will... Uh, have you got that, Michael, you said? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll come around yours at one point and we'll watch that together. I've not, I've not heard of that. So, wh- Where do you get that I one don't from? think I have. I'm trying to see if I'll recognise the cover. Ah, I don't. Oh, it looks really interesting there. I think we'll have plenty to talk about. Well, this will interest you, Wayne. I'm just having a cursory look at Wiki. Uh, it says, Some considered the film to be incoherent or frustrating, while others declared it a masterpiece. So Ooh. I know you always like a divider. I do, I do. I, I like trying to find which side of the fence I come down on. Uh, occasionally I'm right in the middle, but, you know, you've got to love a film like that. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, is it interesting, like, people are always like, you, you either love it or hate it, and then I sometimes, quite often find that I'm in the middle, and I'm like, I don't think I fit into either of these camps. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is interesting, but, yeah, we'll see where we go here. It definitely looks... Like we'll have plenty to talk see if, about. See if it's a Marmite film. Mm. What's it about, Michael? Have you, can you can you sell it to us at all? I can't remember. Don't know. I can read you the blurb I've got here. Okay. Uh, Juan and his urban family live in the Mexican countryside where they enjoy and suffer a world apart and nobody knows if these two worlds are complementary or if they strive to eliminate one another. Mm. Sounds, sounds fascinating. It does. I'm intrigued. Good choice, Michael. I think it's pretty experimental, but we shall see. I like that. And I like that you've picked one that um, me and Clive haven't heard of as well. Yes, absolutely. Excited yeah, to... Um, cool. See you. And I'll prepare one for next time. See you. I knew if I put you in the spot, you'd, you'd come up with something. Don't doubt yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, pressure creates diamonds, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That may well be the episode title. Really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. Excellent. That's uh, well. That's it's a tight one, did. Yeah. In a good way. In a tight one. Great discussion. In a good way. Um. Well, I, as you know, Clive, I was on my my stag do recently, and um, yeah. at one point, um, somebody so it was in Amsterdam, so um, people went into to sex shops. And at one point, they bought <laughs> a bought plug time. Go ahead, Clive. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely plug done. time. <laughs> um, that's, yeah, that's your I, other I meant to apologise earlier that 
<laughs> what was that? Sorry, Michael. I said that's that's your other podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, you, you, you have to. Put, that's on Patreon. That one. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, that shit one. ain't free. <laughs> yeah, it's not suitable for work either. Um, I meant to apologise. I'm a bit sniffly because I've had a bit of a dust mite allergy attack. Uh, so apologies <laughs> for any sniffling. Um, but I'll try this plug time. So at Stickerand Podcast on Twitter, uh, you can find Alex Wayne's in charge there. So who knows what happens, but. Uh, you, essentially most of our episodes get posted there when they come out so it's the best place to uh, keep up to date with that except for the podcast apps themselves uh, you can find us pretty much any podcast app just search for stick around if you give us five star review on iTunes that'll be really useful helps to boost the numbers um, you know we're not asking for any money just give us a five star review we'd love that uh, stickaroundpodcast.com is our website so every single episode we've ever done is on there I think the um, apps only go past to the last 100 and we've got well over 100 now this is 171 I think um, so if you want to go way back to the start where we were really good um, I'd say we're over the hill a bit uh, then you know check check those out you can also find my uh, album challenge thing that I talked about. I've just done 1987, so I've done 1960 to 1987 so far. Um, loving that. And there's other articles on there. And we also have an email address. You can find us at stickaroundpodcast at gmail.com if you've got any questions or things you want us to discuss on the show. And we will do that. Um can be, you know, films, books, anything now. We, we do everything on the one pod, so... Whatever you want us to talk about, we will do it. Um, and yeah, we'll be back in who knows how long. Probably between two and four weeks seems to be yeah, <laughs> where things are falling. About where we're going. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, which is great uh, to talk about uh, Michael's film and some other gems. Uh, so th- thanks, Michael, for coming along, as always. Thank you. And thank you, Al. Thank you very much. And everyone else, remember to... Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Oh, that was a musical one. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. Keep going, you toss. Love that. Thank you all for listening. Rest assured that you have found The best podcast in the universe It's Stick Around